talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hey guys, and welcome to another drop kickoff podcast. A uh, bit of a change today. I'm in the hot seat. I'm hosting, uh, but Nick Wasiliev is here, and we're here with Paul Tate, our resident South American expert, to talk about uh, all things Michael Checker and Argentina. Uh, good morning, Paul. Buenos dias. How are you guys? Uh, bien. Bueno. <laughs> Gracias, obrigado. Nicholas, how are you? I'm very good, mate. It's a it's a lovely, wonderful evening here in Sydney. Uh, it's about to rain again, but uh, what can you do? I'm here to talk rugby. No complaints from me. Yeah, boy, let's get on with it. All right, Paul. So before we get stuck into to Michael Checker and and what's that going to look like? Um, Argentina have had a bit of a rocky last couple of years. They beat the All Blacks and then didn't really do much rest of that rugby championship. Um, and now they've gone to, I mean, last year, I, I lost track of time, but last year didn't really offer much. Um, and they were out of Super Rugby, of course, with the Jaguares out of the picture. What's been happening with Argentina over the last couple of years? Yeah, so they've had a total restructuring uh, on and off the field, uh, well, on the field more recently, of course, and the appointment of, of Jacob. So off the field, they lost the, the Super Rugby team, and uh, Ledesma, as the coach of, of Los Pumas, he actually told the players, go and get offers and take them, and they did. And so uh, uh, I, I can't recall the specific figures now, but essentially the whole team uh, roster from, from the Crusaders final, uh, they're, they're all abroad uh, and others too. Uh, at the same time in 2020, they also launched the South American League, SLAR, and uh, that lasted two rounds before it had to be canceled. Um, but it had the second season last year. Uh, you had a number of players from there involved in Los Pumas. And also a massive player exodus from there uh, to Europe. So we've gone from having in uh, the World Cup in Japan, where we had uh, just three names from Europe on the roster at the World Cup. Now uh, the entire team are playing abroad, of course. And we're getting record player numbers uh, now in elite competitions, more than ever before. So if, if you look at Los Pumas from the the semi-finals uh, against Chaker's Wallabies in 2015 or in the 2007 World Cup, uh, they, they had uh, mostly players that were abroad, or in the case of 2015, returning for the Super Rugby the next year. Um, but you had some, always some names who were Argentine-based. Um, and, and although some of them were even starting players, so Argentina had, had a, a, quite a weakness for a while of, a, maybe a flanker or a winger who was in the starting 15 or, or a permanent reserve uh, who was actually home-based, so relatively amateur. Um, that is no longer the case. So uh, 
basically them getting it all together, that's the, that's proved to be a major problem. No home matches is part of it. Lots of traveling and lots of limitations uh, haven't, haven't helped matters at all. Uh, but uh, their game plan uh, that they used last year just didn't work. Um, I suspect that when they can actually get proper uh, time together like a normal rugby team can and be able to prepare, let's say, correctly, they, they sh there's no reason why they shouldn't be winning matches. Uh, I mean, uh, if you look at player for a player compared to those semi-final Pumas sides, team's relatively strong now in terms of the individual players, but getting together just uh, didn't happen last year at all. And there were some issues of some players out of positions, for example, and some, some really strange selections uh, in terms of uh, maybe a player who looked to be third or even fourth choice was, was starting a test match, for example. A winger was playing fly half. And uh, there were more examples, but uh, just the, things weren't going right, but they weren't helping matters themselves, the, the, the coaching staff. So, uh, you know, they dug themselves a deep, deep hole, and Desmond ultimately, he, he, he had to go. Um, and so the arrival of a, a new coach came uh, kind of at a, at a strange time because uh, what happened was Ledesma, officially, he had to win two of Argentina's uh, 2021 test matches against Tier 1 opposition. So mm -hmm. they won three of three matches. One was Romania, Tier 2. One was Wales, but no Lions players involved. And one was Italy. And the other matches, they were either beaten or totally uh, hammered. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, were, there weren't many noble defeats. They were... They were Massive scorelines. So in the press conference after the, the loss against the Irish in Dublin, which was the final match, uh, Ledesma was asked about his contract, and he his he was he was irate to be asked that, and uh, um, ultimately, uh, the day after that, it was it was confirmed. Yep, he still got the job because he ticked the boxes. He got the wins, which were the two wins, and it's like well. You know, you, you got the win against Wales, but Wales were missing the Lions players and so on. So yeah, um, and then that was so that was no, that was November. And then January, from just a strange occurrence of events, we we get an announcement that there's going to be a press conference later today. And okay, what can this be? Well, probably something to do with Ledesma. Yes, it was. He quit. And then uh, so who's going to be the, the new guy, and we find out it's going to be uh, Cheka, which was a surprise, and it wasn't, based on the fact that they just don't employ foreign coaches, Argentina. Uh, I mean, they had Riz Wiley at the 99 World Cup as an emergency coach, uh, so he coached only in 99, and it wasn't even the whole year. And other than that, it's always Argentines. Um, just the way they think. This time, I think they made the right call, uh, because uh, they've got to get a different perspective. Um, like Ledesma, he knows everything Argentina, everything there is uh, about the players at home and abroad. He's got the full idea. Cheka doesn't, and that's a good thing. He's an outsider looking in. Um, and maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just need a guy who can just look at all the players, all the positions, figure out how to play, 
Uh, I mean, I was looking at the 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 uh, semi-final uh, from 2015 and, and just thinking to myself, who who could Argentina have to be their 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 ghetto, to be their foley, to be you know? And, and I was looking at it thinking, maybe this team could actually. I mean, it could be pretty good, and it would look different than the team they did pick uh, uh, last year. But um, it's interesting because Ledesma, I mean, he was playing with one playmaker, mm-hmm. um, and it just wasn't working. Um, and Shaker in that World Cup hit a playmaker 10, 12, and 9. And then uh, you had on your bench Curly Bill to come on at fullback or, or wherever, basically wherever you needed him. But... Um, you know, you you were going to have creative play throughout the whole match. The Pumas are just in, last year they didn't have any of that. It was just box kicking, um, basically re- really limited play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Cheek uh, is a good option based on that. New ideas. He's proven um, one of those guys, of course, who who knows the game in in the north. And I think that's something maybe that gets overlooked. That. You know, he coached Leinster, he coached stuff, I'm going to say. He's worked with Pumas uh, in the past in, yeah. in France, for instance. So uh, he's got quite a bit of, of insight in that respect, but also he's able to get a team together, knowing the complications of, uh, of the logistical issues and so on. And uh, so I, I think it's, a, as I say, a good, good appointment. And also based on the time we do have, um, people want to... Gonzalo Quesada, but um, as I understand, he was offered a supporting role. I don't. That really... was Quesada. He was a previous coach. Is that he was correct? he was the coach that followed uh, after Ledesma went with the Jaguares, I believe. Right. right. He, he mm-hmm. got got them to the Super Rugby final. And then with COVID, he moved returned to to France. So his coaching Stade which Sheik mm-hmm. also formerly coached. So. Uh, I mean, people wanted him, um, and I mean, I, I I had him at the top of my list also. But uh, if you're gonna get him, he's gonna be the head coach. You don't want you don't want two of these top names as you know together. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't want a collaboration. I want a head coach with supporting staff. So we don't know who the supporters are, but Felipe Contacomi is rumored. Um, he's at Leinster, which again, Shaker knows Leinster pretty well himself. And uh, so that'd be a good appointment. Uh, if it all goes well, the rumor is that he could succeed and be the, the next coach after the World Cup. We don't know yet. But yeah, Cheka for this year and next year, very, very good, I think. Quite funny uh, there with, with Paul that he was saying, um, you know, they'll play in a winger at fly half. And I'm like, is this pre or post uh, Cheka? <laughs> uh, it sounds like a very Cheka thing to do. <laughs> But yeah, yeah do, you, it's, do you think it's a good appointment? Do I? Yeah. Look, I do. I do. I, I there is a lot of things that so I mean it's I, I it's it's an, it's interesting that you know we, we are having this conversation. It's good that we're having this conversation now because you know we're we're in this we're heading into we are in kind of post checker of course after <laughs> you know he he exited from the uh, he, he left after he, he, he left after the the 2019 world cup um and you know i think a lot of australians do look on look back on on checkers era with i think trepidation is the mild is a mild term um 
I mean, Nick, you, you may... And you probably may a bit of anger. I think, yes, but... Probably for like, a few people. Yes, but I feel like that is done not... I feel like it's not totally correct. I think a lot of the improvements that we're seeing from the Wallabies right now is off the back of things that Checker did in that era. Um, you know, the blooding of players um, and the the... The, the kind of the really kind of actually trying to encourage off field uh, harmony between all of the super rugby franchises. But there is the, the issues that I did often find with him was that post the 2015 world cup, his, his lack of game adaptability was a, was an issue. And I mm. think it, it coming, you know, 2017 or 2018, it was, uh, I thought that, you know, he probably would have, it would have been better for them to cut ties before the 2019 world cup. But for Argentina right now, I agree that it's a. I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, you know, short-term uh, contract. I think he'll, you know, he can he what he does really well is get in, uh, really give the the, the players a, a much-needed injection. Yeah. Um, really gets them believing in the game plan, and then uh, delivers results quickly. Uh, he's not shown himself to be fantastic at sticking around for long-term you know, uh, long-term success. Uh, I think uh, Argentina will be right to do, to have him for the World Cup. And then after that, uh, try and get, uh, uh, was it Casada? I got my pronunciation horrendously wrong there. Uh, try and get him over to uh, to the head coach role. Because I think that, you know, as much as I, as, you know, it, I think having, I, I and this is a question I kind of want to ask you, Paul, um, because, I know we, we kind of jumped to Checker very quickly, but I, I kind of want to ask you a little bit about Ledesma's time a bit more if I can, because I know, you know, Ledesma, you know, he he came, you know, he was an assistant coach to Checker uh, with the Wallabies, um, and he was kind of a, a, a key turning point, I think, for, for the Pumas, despite, you know, the bad run that he's had, he had in, in, in his final year or two as mm-hmm. coach. Um, you know, a professional coach coming from a whole bunch of, you know, working from places all over, coming back to really re-energize Argentine rugby. And I think, you know, he did have some successes. Like you, you get, you know, the runner being a runner-up in the Tri Nations in 2020, albeit with a reduced, uh, you know, a reduced competition, but still, you know, a fantastic performance, a first ever winning against the All Blacks, um, which is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, do do, Paul, do, does, do, Argent, do Argentinians view and you know view Mario Ledesma's time in uh, in the coaching role kind of similar to how we view Checker's time now, or is it a, a time that people go look back and say, look, it was difficult circumstances for for the Pumas especially, um, but it's time for a change. Yeah, I think the comparison's pretty 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 fair. Um, most people that I that, that I have spoken to about it or read their what they've got to say about this essentially say that uh, considering the complications that were involved with the pandemic and so on uh, that changing from Haguada's model to back to, to European based for the majority and so on considering everything that happened uh, you know let's give him a pass uh, Mark but he had to go uh, so uh Let's let's basically uh, let's agree uh, that uh, it was a, it was uh, you know uh, up and down, but overall let's just let's just give it a pass mark and uh, let's move on. We can't uh, be retaining him now. We've got a World Cup to prepare for. 
Um, I mean, Argentina cannot be missing out on the quarterfinals again. And uh, the good news is that potentially they've, they've got, uh, I mean, when the, the draw was made, people were, many people were like, oh, Japan are going to beat Argentina. I mean, yeah, they could, but uh, realistically they won't. Um, Argentina are not going to be bad for long. One of the things about Los Pumas is that when they are together for a long time, coming from their various uh, clubs and so on, they seem to get it together. And uh, this is one of the comparisons I often ask myself about Ireland, for example, they just don't get it together at World Cups, but Six Nations and so on, they're, they're always very good. Um, but again, I mean, Six Nations operates two weeks, you have two matches, then a, then, then a bye, then you have two more matches, and that's how it works. And the Irish players, of course, the, the, the URC, they, they, they don't play. They, no, they don't play, but they don't play full time. They're totally rotated and keep kept fresh for that. Whereas the Pumas, they're in the same competitions and they're playing year round in those competitions. So, I mean, Marcos Crema, Julian Montoya, these guys are playing in stuff and say in Leicester, never had a break. They went from uh, the Tri Nations and to the, those clubs and then back for the July uh, test matches. Then they had several weeks break before the, the rugby championship last year, and now they're back at their clubs. Full time is no global season. I mean, come on, Bill Beaumont, what are you doing? Where is the global season sorted out? We don't have one. Um, I mean, it's just strange because this, this is, again, this is the, for, for many people listening, you might think, what's that going to do with anything? Well, from the perspective in this part of the world, rugby is, is run uh, by and for the Commonwealth. And uh, I mean, the British and Irish Lions are there. Why do we have a, a them as the center of the of the of the world in between World Cups? You know, where is there where is a, a decent World Cup qualifying regime per region, an Oceania Cup, a proper European Cup with qualifiers and so on and so forth? We don't have that, but we still have the Lions tours. And of course, they're only touring the same places. So, I mean, they're not going to Argentina. They're not going uh, to tour anywhere other than the, the former Tri Nations. And so, uh, I mean, Argentina, for for many people, have kind of been a breath of fresh air because of that, because we've got this team who are pretty good or, or very good at some, at some stages, but not for long enough. Um, and they're from outside, they're speaking Spanish, of course. Um, and uh, they're able to uh, get these results uh, from time to time. And, and at World Cups, they, they tend to get it done more, more often than not. But uh, these crises they have, again, until they have their own structure in place and they keep fighting over how to do that because they've got arguably the world's best amateur setup in Buenos Aires, which is Urba. It's now the top 13. Uh, I mean, you, you get strong crowds at these games. It's fully amateur. They're totally against going pro. Um, so there's you know, these kinds of issues they've got to deal with. Um, so, so you're saying, Paul, that really in context, Argentina have to really fight against the system, so to speak. They've got the short end of the stick. And the fact that they are actually as good as they are is actually kind of a testament to that. So, like, well, and, and it's despite that, yeah, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there, there's no global season. 
I mean, you're going to have Pablo Matera, Santiago Medrano, uh, the only guys playing uh, playing uh, in a, in a structured season. The rest of them are thrown between the north and the south. So very, very, very. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word is to be honest, but it's just it's uh, it's it's anarchy, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's organized. It is, and uh, I mean, who, I mean, who's going to fix it? I mean, we're already have to fix it. Mm. They haven't, and uh, again. The headquarters are based in, in Ireland. It's led by uh, an Englishman who never played in the World Cup because of his age, played in Lions Tours. But, I mean, the alternative, again, uh, and I'm not just supporting Pichot based on his nationality. The, the guy happened to have, to have played in, in World Cups, played professional rugby in France and in England, speaks English and French. I mean, pretty good candidate, I would have thought. But unfortunately, uh, from my perspective, he wasn't elected. And now we're, we're looking at just a continuation of, of the past uh, structures for the game. And uh, uh, fixing this, uh, it needs to be a priority. Um, and uh, this is part of the reason why Argentina were, were not able to deliver last year. Mm-hmm. Ledesma talked about it endlessly which was his frustration that his players, I mean, I don't have, I can't give you a number, but let's, for the sake of say, no one was playing above 80% because they just, they just hadn't had proper preparation and weren't rested. Mm-hmm. Uh, no global season. I mean, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to play because we're not, we're, we're not filling up to it. I mean, South Africa actually basically did that, didn't they? Uh, Argentina have to, um, I think, get to the stage or, or to decide, hey, we're actually pretty, you know, damn important. Can we stop being spectators and, and show more leadership in this and demand more? Um, so I, I would like, again, I would like uh, different leadership at World Rugby, but also Argentine Rugby to, to be more uh, more forward thinking, I, I, I guess. Yeah, interesting perspective. Um, but I guess, I, and, and to more of Nick's question, I mean, if you wind the clock back, I think 2007, last time the World Cup was in France, Argentina came third. Um, and I think that's at the highest point in the World Cup. Um, so are you saying the difference between then and now is that, um, is it this increased professionalism and this increased playing time for all the players and playing overseas? Yeah, so then the players were all in the northern calendar, and so often you had um, better November results than June results. Now it's July, of course, um, but the, they were always fresh when they mm. needed to be World Cups. But now they're last year they were never fresh. I mean, the freshest they were was the July tour to, to Romania and Wales, and they did very well uh, against Wales. To be fair. Um, like Wales were outmatched, but again they were under strength. Uh, but, but that Romania match, that Romania match was a yeah. tight one, right? How, what was the perception there in Argentina of that game? Oh, they played badly. Yeah, Argentina. Argentina tried to play a forwards game against Romania. I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and the, the, I mean, the tries that they scored were basically uh, individual moments. So Cordero, excellent winger, of course, just did his thing. Um, so 
Uh, they didn't play well for that match, but they weren't. They, they were throwing together. To be to be fair, it was the first match. Um, I think if that match had been in a different, like let's say after the Wales matches, uh, it may have been uh, more more of a forty point difference between the sides, for for instance. Um, but uh, having said that, uh, again, getting everything together uh, at, at you know a moment's notice is really hard, and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Playing against the calendars, and uh, again, Ledesma tried to bring this up again and again uh, dur- and, uh, during the rugby championship last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just just did, did fell on deaf ears, or they didn't understand what he's talking about. But again, let's 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 go forward to the next World Cup, and uh, let's see how Ireland and Argentina do. Ireland at the moment are really good, obviously, but. Uh, Again, they operate on a structure that works for them. Mm. Um, but when when you have no rest, in other words, game, 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 game every week, uh, are they able to, to deliver press? World Cup suggests that they, they aren't. So they're going to have a, you know, uh, they're going to probably, I mean, I would suspect they're going to defeat um, Scotland in the group. Um, and against South Africa, I'd say South Africa will win that. Get to the quarterfinals. It's going to be France or New Zealand. I mean, uh, don't 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 suspect Ireland will get past either of those. But um, Argentina on the flip side, they're going to have England and Japan. And at this stage, that's pretty friendly. Uh, so they have they have England, Japan, Samoa, and America's too, which will be uh-huh. either um, USA or Chile, which we can, we'll get to later. But sorry, Paul, continue. No, so I mean, uh, Argentina. They're, they're, I mean, you can see it. It's there for them to to to, to get the job done. Uh, they have the means to to progress. Uh, but uh, what we what we saw in twenty twenty and more so in twenty twenty one was that uh, lack of time, lack of rest, and uh, just just complications which other teams don't face because they have their own structures, which Argentina don't. And uh, that's what they've got to fix. They've got to get their own uh, system in place so that there is a, there is a means of players coming when need be for international duty and, and not being, uh, you know, dead wood. Yeah, very interesting perspective. It's something we definitely don't hear of in Australia. Um, but moving on, let's just talk about the future in the World Cup. Um, and Nick, I'll go to you first on this one. Um, so as I said before, Argentina's Pool, Pool D, England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and then USA or Chile. As an outsider, what do you think uh, Argentina, what, what do you think Argentina will land? What would you expect of them? Well, I agree that I, I do think that it's at least getting to the quarterfinals is, is a mandatory requirement. Um, because considering the the talent they have and the option and the availability that you know the, the potential that they actually have, um, getting to a position, I think getting knocked out in the pool stages would probably be seen as a as a, a massive, uh, as a very unsuccessful campaign. Um, it's particularly I I also believe that you know considering Czech, he's got I mean he's got, the first. Test matches that he has, I mean, leading up to this uh, is the series against Scotland this year. Um, so he'll want to try and hit the ground running and build momentum around that. Is that um, a three-game series? Yes, it is. So in 
coming starting in July this year, which will be his first games in charge. Um, and of course, Scotland's kind of coming out of a pretty disappointing Six Nations campaign. Um, but you know, and and so probably is in a in a potentially good, you know, in, in a potentially vulnerable position, but also, you know, they've, they've, the Scots have shown that they can really, you know, they can rebound quite quickly. I mean, you don't, you don't, you only need to look further than the fact that they currently hold a, a three match winning streak over the Wallabies um, in terms of their record. Um, it's really, I, 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 in my opinion, Argentina have the cattle to do it to, to at least get to the quarterfinals. And I do think I do, you know, I, while they have picked up a win against New Zealand, I don't know considering how how much they've kind of fallen off and and the issues that that Paul has talked about. Um, I don't I don't know if, if they can necessarily repeat a win like they did in Australia against the All Blacks, but against the the likes of uh, England or God, what was the other nation you you mentioned that's escaped me? Uh, uh, Japan. Japan. I do see them having much more of a chance against both of those sides. Um, I'm curious, into uh, Paul, just looking at this at this World Cup, but also just this Checker run in general. I know we kind of touched on why you think Checker is the man for this this role. Um, just before we lead into talking about the World Cup in general, I mean, Checker's got this three match series against Scotland before leading into uh, the Rugby Championship and the end of year tour. Uh, what does he need to do for this to get this side up and hit, and get the and hit the ground running properly? Yeah, he's talked about getting uh, the basics in place and working on confidence. And uh, Ledesma was was so frustrated again and again trying to get the scrum to work. So, uh, I mean, the first thing uh, that that Jacob will likely try to try to do is get combinations in place that work. Uh, and if, if they're gonna, if they're working, I think if they're working for Jacob, they're gonna work for Argentina. Uh, the player pool that they have now is, is huge in terms of uh, the number of elite, uh, number of players at elite clubs and the ages that these players are. Um, uh, so he, he's going to have the opportunity of getting this, this plan to work. There are one or two weaknesses, but they can be turned into strengths over time. I mean, for instance, uh, Tomas Gashu, who scored two tries on debut, debut against the Wallabies. He, uh, very young, very lightweight, he's been under 110, loose uh, head prop. So, uh, I mean, he, he's not the starter yet, but could be the starter in a year or two. Um, and, and until then, we've got to find a way of protecting him. Uh, and there are, there are a certain number of other positions where you can say the same thing. But by and large, you've got the guys coming through. So... For example, Geronimo de la Fuente, I cannot see him starting anymore. Uh, Santiago Chocobaras playing for Toulouse, for goodness sake, starting for them. <laughs> you know, one in the top 14 with them. Uh, I mean, he's ready. Uh, he's going to, he'll be Cheka's uh, player. My question basically is he's going to play him 12 or 13. Based on Cheka rugby, I would say uh, he would want him being your Karebi. Um, and so then what do you do with the 13 shirt, if that's the case? Or do you put him at, at 13 as your Kuridrani uh, player instead and then have a, you know, a Foley, Gitto, 10, 12? So um, that's my initial question to look forward to for the backs for uh, July against Scotland. Uh, I suspect that he's, he's going to be going in all, you know, 
all blazing for this. He's going to be wanting to see good rugby and tries. Shechek has always been the, the, the coach who, who does not want 10 man rugby. So, uh, yeah. I proceed with caution there, Paul. Uh, I wouldn't get too excited. <laughs> might be, Argentina might be running it from the five meter line. Um, <laughs> Is there uh, is there like any any players that kind of weren't there in Ledesma's time? I, I, I is it Imhoff? I think kind of got frozen out or didn't want to play. Like, is there any yeah. players like him or anyone else that you're excited to see back that wasn't part of uh, Ledesma's setup? Yeah, uh, overall the players are going to be the same. There'll be one or two changes. Imhoff did play against. Uh, in, in the, the All Blacks match in Sydney, he was there for that. But last year, he, for family reasons, he missed out. Uh, I mean, uh, players they just had having to be away for as long as they were from from their their wives and families was just complex, wasn't it? So uh, there are some guys we're looking forward to seeing who's going to be fly half. Um, I mean, Miotti perhaps. Uh, Is Sanchez still in the picture? Yes, but he, I mean he, he's. Staff from say he's there and he's there coached by Casada and Sanchez is, is not there starting fly half. Okay. So and he's like 43 or something now, right? He's, he's getting he's getting up past it. And you got Rizabishiefe, Castra. He is 35. So I I suspect they're going to have to go for uh, basically name three guys for the Scotland series. Uh, two of them will be new. Or, or Miotti, one of them and two others. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it's going to be going to have to be that scrum half. I would suspect Gonzalo Garcia. It's time for him to be the starting nine. He's playing in Italy. Uh, should be playing in uh, uh, English Premiership, for example. Is that he's very, uh, very, very odd that he had didn't get a Test start under Ledesma, considering that uh, Felipe Scura did. It's very, very, very strange. But again. He's the coach. That's what he wanted to do. And uh, there, there are some other guys. Uh, less so in terms of comebacks, to be honest, because uh, the players are, are essentially there. There are just one or two who, who missed out for injuries that, that will be back. One, I guess, prop, uh, Joel uh, Sklavi. Uh, his name is not Spanish, so I'm not <laughs> pronouncing it correctly. But anyway, he... Uh, very good tight head prop, uncapped, huge man. It's got to be there. Um, so if he's in there and Podell is there, the scrum should be rock solid. Um, but loose head again, that's that's an issue uh, at the moment. Uh, and o- overall, though, the positions are pretty strong. I mean, compared to the teams that made the semifinals, the, you know, the, basically it's playmakers. That's the difference at this stage. Um, so that's what I'm what I'm interested in. I, I think. What's Shaky going to do? Who, who are his playmakers going to be? Uh, they're going to be 9, 10, and 12, like you know, had with the 2015 Wallabies. So like, that's going to be interesting. Well, no, no one checker, you might want to see if Kirtley Beale's got an Argentinian grandmother. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so just before we move on to the World Cup and talk about South America and America's rugby in general, just one question. Um, the most well-known Argentinian player, obviously, uh, for us in Australia, is uh, Pablo Matera. He's now playing for the Crusaders. Um, what does that mean for Argentinian rugby? Is that something that's really exciting? Are you really, you know, proud? Are you really happy? Do you think he'll get even better? Because he's probably one of the best. I mean, Nick, you, you probably agree with him. He's probably one of the best blindside flankers in the world, if not the best. 
Mm. I do, uh, well, I think he's definitely a contender. He's definitely in. I, th- uh, I think maybe know, one or two years ago discussion. he probably was. Yeah. Mm. Um. Mm. So Paul, like, is that, you know, like just quickly, how how's that been received in um, Argentina? Oh, it's a big deal. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know the names, but, uh, you know, when you have an Australian soccer player uh, playing as a regular in a big, big team anywhere around the world, it's a big deal. I mean, it's the same thing as uh, as Brazilians with Neymar playing soccer and for big, big teams in Spain or now in France. So it's a big, big, big deal. Um, and not only there, but it's playing uh, because often often these things happen, but the, the players don't play, either he is playing. And uh, they, they think it's a really big deal also, he's playing eight uh, and flanker. So, you know, this is quite interesting based on Argentina's uh, players and, and, and options. So uh, I'm not sure what they're gonna, if that's gonna change anything if Chaker wants to play him at six or at eight, but um, it's a big, big deal that he's playing there and uh, it's getting a lot of attention. Well, I should add before we get an angry letter that there's also uh, some Argentinians at Western Force. Is that, I mean, I might, you might as well just say now, Paul, it's a big deal as well. It's even bigger than the Crusaders. But is that is that exciting for you guys as well? And do you expect them to be picked as well for the, the Pumas? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Medrano's there. Um, Miotti's now in Scotland. Um, we, I mean, Miotti was, was miraculously uh, dropped last year so they could play a winger uh, Santiago Carreras at fly half very strange uh, uh, choice but you know that's what happened um, and Medrano would definitely be uh, be in the Pumas in July not sure if he's going to be starting or not um, but uh, he'll be there absolutely okay uh, awesome okay so anyway moving on there was some very exciting news earlier this year uh, well for rugby nerds maybe not for the regular person um, Chile beat Canada um, in the Americas qualify for the World Cup, knocking Canada out of rugby World Cup qualifying, which I think will be the first time that Canada hasn't made a World Cup. Um, Chile will now play... Uh, oh, sorry, also as well, uh, Uruguay beat USA to qualify as the first team out of the Americas other than Argentina. So, I mean, South America on the up and up. Chile are going to play the USA to see who gets into the World Cup and the loser of that tile go into the repercharge and the repercharge will just be playing um, the Romania from Europe, uh, Tonga, uh, no, the loser of Tonga and Asia one, which will probably be Hong Kong and whoever Namibia beats to the first African qualifying spot. So not a great range of teams, but Chile might, or Chile or USA, whoever loses will have a great chance of getting in. Meaning that there'll be four, four uh, America likely four America's teams in the uh, World Cup. So, Paul, you must be very excited being a uh, RG Brazilian or an Argentine living in Brazil, sporting your continent. How do you feel? <laughs> oh, I couldn't be feeling better about it, to be honest, uh, because again, South America. Uh, happen to be well obviously i live here <laughs> but <laughs> south america happens to be this is an all-time high i mean the lows of, of of argentine rugby the last year or so are counterbalanced by what has happened so i mean uh it was a major deal that uruguay overcame 
the United States. Uh, I mean, there was a there was a part of it where the United States just took it for granted. The qualifier, I, mm. I, I noticed that that based on how they <clears throat> they selected their side for the second match and um, how they actually played, that they they did take them. They did did underestimate the task. Uh, and Uruguay actually were comfortable vic- victors in that that match. And and I mean, Canada just oh my God, people. My Canadian friends are pulling their hair out there, just they, and they saw it coming mm. because it, uh, I mean the the top players, many of them, they didn't play, they didn't want to play under Kingsley Jones, who who the Welshman who coached the Canadian Test side, they 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 didn't want to, uh, based on a series of events, disagreements, and uh, just thinking that you know we don't want to play under you, kind of kind of approach very sad uh, events which happened for them but hey uh, Chile were extremely well prepared um, knew what they were doing and got the job done uh, based on their preparation and on the arrival of the Slar I mean that competition legitimately produced the Chilean test team which we saw in 2021 I mean not only did they beat Canada they, be, they defeated them well, of course, but they, I mean, they, they won the two test matches in Russia. And those results in Russia, they sent a big, stark warning to the United States, uh, be ready, because we are, and also to the European three-team Romania in this case, of, hey, I mean, Russia have gotten results against Romania. So the fact that they've won there, away, mm-hmm. uh, it really does open it. We've got we've got the, the twenty fourteen World Cup very much now in the discussion. Um, from the South American perspective, we're looking at <clears throat> Chile can get this job done if they qualify. Then we're going to have something which was previously unthinkable, which is we're going to have a South American pool match in the World Cup. So people are very 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 excited about that, mm-hmm. um, and it, it offers a number of other questions. So who's going to referee that? Surely it's not going to be, uh, you know, uh, some guy from New Zealand Super Rugby or top 14 official. How about a, you know, some some Spanish speaker, for instance? So uh, that that's a good example of world rugby actually living the the, the reality, living the dream, being world rugby. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, onwards and upwards from here. Um, again, Canadian rugby, very, very <laughs> bad state at the moment. Uh, uh, it's hard, hard to uh, to celebrate Chile's success when, when we consider what happened with Canadians, isn't it? But, uh, I mean, basically, SLAR compared to Major League Rugby is very interesting based on a small league which is preparing test teams compared to a large uh, league which... Uh, is operating in a league in and of itself, and uh, it's not preparing. Uh, it's preparing some players, but you've got a lower. Uh, you don't have a high standard in Major League Rugby, even though you've got all the teams. Mm. So, uh, Chile uh, have that major benefit compared to uh, compared to some countries, and uh, the future is also bright because uh, now we have. Uh, others, we have hope for others as well. Um, so, I mean, Brazil <clears throat> were beating Chile before 
2019 World Cup, Chile got mm-hmm. it together literally in 2020. Before that, they were getting smashed. So now they're beating Canada and Russia. So that's, uh, that shows you what can be done in a short period of time. Just get your, get your structures in place, get your high performance in, in place, invest in uh, the rugby and the players more and less in, in uh, you know, the staff, for example. You know, it, it, it sounds simple, doesn't it? But often that's not what unions yeah. do. So, uh, so, so there is hope. What you're saying, there is hope for the Wallabies. Um, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Nick, you've got something you'd like to say. Well, I'm curious about. You, you've talked a lot about the about the issues in Canada, um, and I mean we've been we've been watching kind of the the you know looking at some of the 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 growth of the of the game in the Americas, and I, I kind of want to ask a little bit about Major League Rugby. I think um, as, you know because that's one that particularly here in Australia we've taken note of uh, the growth of that competition, and I know you mentioned the last time that you were. You were uh, you were on we, we we had you on the podcast. There was also talk of a new uh, of a new competition that was underway in in South America um, as well. Uh, is this kind of the major factors do you reckon behind the fact that you're seeing the likes of Uruguay and Chile really doing very well? And additionally, I mean, we're talking about this qualifier with the US. Uh, do you reckon? Uh, how do you how do you see that match get it playing out, and and who will actually go through there? Yeah, people in, in South America think Chile will win, and people in North America think the USA will win. Seriously. <laughs> um, I would obviously say the US have to be favorites because they've got the, the history, of course. But looking at player versus player, looking at the, the structure that uh, Southcombe, the Chilean team, have, um, I mean, they they really do have the means of reducing this, this handicap, so to speak. So um, I think it's very much a contest which could go uh, either way. Game one is going to be in, uh, in Santiago. Uh, game uh, Well, maybe not, it's in Chile. And game two will be in, in the U.S. So that's probably advantage USA from that perspective. Um, but look, Chile can win this. And um, I hope... I hope just from the perspective of seeing this potential Argentina versus Chile World Cup match, I hope they do it. If they don't, I, again, they will be capable of progressing nonetheless because we have seen the results against uh, Russia, against Canada, so uh, against Hong Kong, against uh, Romania, and against the African qualifier, let's say Kenya, just for the sake of argument. Yes, they have the means of, of, of getting through that. Romania obviously will be very tough, but uh, they have the means of, of doing it nonetheless. The USA, uh, I suspect, will be very much uh, making this game uh, no stone uh, unturned because uh, the prospect uh, potentially of facing Romania is, is, is scarier than facing Chile uh, uh, for, for many people. So they're gonna have, gonna have to get the job done now in July. Um, Again, isn't it exciting just just to have this conversation and and, and not yeah not have you know? Mm. It, I think it is. It's it, the idea of 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 a of a America's pool match. Just it adds to the whole point of what the World Cup's about. Just uh, because one thing that does take so much enjoyment is seeing those nations have a go. 
Um, and occasionally you get fantastic matches like uh, the the Uruguay, the Uruguay beating Fiji yeah. um, at the last World Cup, which even though of, of course they didn't advance, you know, make it to the quarters, <laughs> just that, just the fact they did that, just shows the up and coming nature of the game. So the fact that we're that soon, hopefully Uruguay might be joined by Chile, uh, or you know, having actual multiple teams uh, from that part of the world in there itself is an achievement. Just the fact that you're there. Um, hopefully they can get, they can get there and it's great. Absolutely. We're very, very excited about it. So, so going from something positive, I mean, you know, yes, great chat. Um, it's exciting to see South America in these new world cup, but going from something positive just to, I guess, end on a bit of a sad note. Um, sorry to all our listeners. But it must be said that, unfortunately, on the weekend, Paul, and you can tell us more, um, an Argentinian player is believed to be murdered in Paris on his way to Six Nations. Uh, his name is Federico Martin Aramburu. Hopefully I've got that correct. Um, and according to the BBC, it says he was uh, got into an altercation at a pub and then on his way to the game, um, I think it was England and France, um, he was murdered. Um, Paul, this is shocking news. Um, it must must cause ripples in um, Argentinian rugby. Yeah, uh, very much so. Very, very tragic, sad. Um, just like, what the hell is going on? Um, so, yeah, he, he was murdered as a drive-by shooting. The reports from the French press are that this, it was extreme right-wing uh, 28-year-old uh, who's believed is a prime suspect. So far, the, uh, a 24-year-old woman has been arrested. She uh, was the driver. So it was it was uh, around about 6 a.m. just before then, Paris time, and when this happened. Um, he was there. Uh, he lives in France. He formerly played rugby in France for a long time and one of the clubs he played for was Biarritz now he's involved with them and so he was there to watch the match like you said and uh, he was going to to, to visit um, Juan Imhoff they were going to have lunch together on Sunday so you know people are people are devastated about what happened I mean this is this is obviously a huge deal um, for, for Argentina also for France I mean because when, when when this headline dropped, uh, uh, I mean, people people contacted me about it, saying, "Holy shit, this isn't Buenos Aires, this is Paris." Yeah. You know, and uh, again, very 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 sad. Uh, he he played 22 caps. Um, he got a try in the bronze final, 20, and scored a, the bonus point try against George. So this guy's name's in history. He literally. Mm-hmm was key to their success at that tournament and uh, it was a there was a fitting tribute to him uh, on Sunday uh, Toulouse Montpellier uh, match and uh, two Pumas playing for Toulouse and there was a former Puma Reggiardi was there in attendance so if you look at it look on uh, Toulouse Twitter or, or YouTube you, you'll find the, uh, the tribute there it's pretty 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 good just one minute silence of course but camera zooming in on, the, on the, those three Argentines. Very nice. Um, Hulse is just, you know, uh, a very unfortunate, tragic set of events. But uh, um, 
I mean, thoughts and prayers are, are with his family, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, that justice will be served. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've just got some quotes here. Dimitri Yakvili, um, who you might know as a former France scrum half, teammate of uh, Adam Buru, said, uh, the game has lost a brother, brother who lo loved life. He was always positive, lively, and full of energy. Uh, he was a beautiful person who loved rugby. Um, the, the Warriors, as in the Glasgow Warriors, have shared that they were shocked and sad, uh, saddened, um, as have uh, Beerits, who are sending their condolences. So real kind of shocking stuff, <laughs> really quite sad. And yeah, we, uh, I guess we all send our condolences to the Adam Budu family and the uh, Argentinian rugby community. Um, but... Thank you, Paul, for coming on and, and telling us all about uh, Argentinian rugby. Um, and thank you, Nick, for your insight in this pod. Um, Paul, before we go, just just let people know where they can they can find you. Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter at America's Oval and uh, my, my website with Brian Ray and myself. We run it. It's America's Rugby News. Awesome. Uh, jump on there, follow Paul. He has changed his Twitter handle from America, uh, Argentina World Cup 2027. Um, sorry, sorry about that. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we, uh, I feel like, I feel like we should, we should, we should put a side note. I, I feel like we, we kind of, even though, even though there has been another announcement of another contender, I feel like we kind of stole that off Argentina a little bit with our, with our picking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Argentina decided not to bid. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, one day, one day we can we can, we can talk about a World Cup in Argentina. One day we can. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on, lads. Um, and Paul, look forward to talking to you sooner rather than later. Yes, sounds good. Good to see you guys again. Thanks, Paul. What did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs>